Many of Jesus' disciples who were listening said, this saying is hard. Who can accept it? Since Jesus knew that his disciples were murmuring about this, he said to them, does this shock you? What if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit that gives life, while the flesh is of no avail. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. Jesus knew from the beginning the ones who would not believe and the ones who would betray him. And he said, for this reason I have told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by my Father. As a result of this, many of his disciples returned to their former way of life and no longer accompanied him. Jesus then said to the twelve, Do you also want to leave? Simon Peter answered him, Master, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and are convinced that you are the Holy One of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Learning of the atrocities by McCarrick, the former Archbishop of Newark, and then the horrific recounting of some of what was done by priests throughout the state of Pennsylvania over the last century. It's been a long summer for us as Catholics. We're actually, as a friend accurately corrected me, it's been a long, painful, devastating, lonely, and countless other descriptors that we can't ever know for day upon day, week upon week, month upon month, year upon year, and decade upon decade for the victims of these unimaginable acts. He's right. Too often, the victim's pain has been seen as secondary or worse, as something that was inconvenient that we wanted to get past so we could jump ahead to the healing aspects of things, which is sadly another way that the victims have been victimized by the church. There are no quick fixes or healing or recovery as the victims themselves are courageously sharing. Nor will there be for the rest of us who are just coming to realize the evil that was done to some of our brothers and sisters by others who, as hard as it might be to acknowledge at this moment, are brothers and sisters as well. It's understandable that on some level people want fixes and protections and investigations and accountability and reform to be done yesterday 
And in truth, that work needed to be done or started or was thought to have been done a whole lot of yesterdays ago. It's also been incredibly sad to to see and hear the devastation that this has caused for so many people. Just from my own personal experience, I can tell you of, of numerous parishioners, friends and family members who are beyond angry or hurt. It's almost been like people are going through the stages of grief that we so often hear about after a loss or some traumatic experience, shock, denial, anger, bargaining, depression. Personally, I've found myself going through these different stages each time a a different story or an aspect of a story would come to light. I've found myself reading every possible response, every commentary, looking for answers, for leadership. And depending on the day and what stage of grief I was kind of feeling, determine how helpful or sadly oftentimes how not helpful all those things were. But one of the hardest things for me was receiving a a response from a good friend of mine who was reacting to something that I had posted on social media the, the morning after the Pennsylvania report came out. In short, I wrote that I'm amazed at my vocation, even at times where I was seriously contemplating leaving the priesthood, that somehow the Lord has protected it. And my initial response at the horror of all these news reports, the, the gut reaction I had was, I wish the Lord hadn't protected my vocation. Well, a few hours later, this good friend of mine texted me saying, I wish the Lord hadn't either and that you had left the priesthood. And that kind of shocked me because she's been such a good friend of mine for so many years. She knows all the the back and forth of my discernment and stuff. And I was kind of speechless waiting for a follow-up, a second message that might have started with the word but. And it never came. And I'm not sharing this out of sadness or disappointment in my friend. If anything, it's helped me to understand the depths of emotions that so many of us are experiencing right now. And I'm sharing this today because perhaps I wasn't clear in that gut reaction of a response to to clarify that I'm not rethinking or rediscerning or having a vocation crisis myself. But I get it. I understand why people are posting online or saying quietly in their hearts, they're not going to go to Mass anymore. They're leaving the Catholic faith or they're thinking about it. They're having a serious crisis of faith. Because more than likely, these latest of crises were just the final straw for people who were already at the breaking point. Maybe they weren't treated criminally, but were treated terribly by a priest or a religious in other ways. Maybe they've fought back tears and got past their anger and somehow rallied in the past when a a parish school or a parish church was closed, but they were still going to stick with the Catholic faith. And now they feel embarrassed or ashamed that they ever did give anyone in the church another chance, another opportunity by staying. I've shared in the past that 
having been to the breaking point before, most clearly about 12 years ago when I had been accepted to become a firefighter in New York City and really had thought about leaving the priesthood for good and was going to pursue that, which another friend of mine helpfully pointed out I'd be halfway to retirement by now. My reversion or my rediscernment ultimately led me though to a place where I recognized that my faith in Jesus Christ and his calling me to his priesthood is bigger than all the things that were driving me away from that. And that took a long time, that took a lot of prayer, that took a lot of sleepless nights for me to get to that point. So I'm not just sharing that, saying, just hang in there and pray through it and you're gonna get the same awareness. I'm sharing that because, first off, I just wanna say thank you for being here today. It's almost heroic right now for the people of God who do come Sunday after Sunday. That you've summoned something within yourself to be at Mass. So I just want to affirm that and hopefully help you to recognize the movement of the Holy Spirit in your life right now which moved you and empowered you and gave you the energy to move past whatever different emotions or feelings you might be experiencing to come here to worship God, the Father, at this Catholic Mass. Because this is bigger than any priest or bishop or cardinal or even pope. And that's not me, Father Jim Churn, saying that. That's something that we as Catholics believe. Jesus operates in spite of the broken, sinful men of the priesthood, and the broken, sinful men and women that make up his church. When we do have good men and women who live a, a life of virtue and strive for holiness, we admire them when they pass and, and die, and eventually we declare them saints. When they don't strive for holiness, or when they do worse than that, it's hard for us to believe that anything good can come from them or this. But Jesus still operates in the church with the good, the bad, and everyone that falls somewhere in between. And so it's important for us to recognize there is still goodness in the church because Jesus is bigger than all of us. His priesthood and his church is bigger than any individual. And that brings me to today's gospel, which I see in a very different way and from a very different perspective. In years past, for me, this was simply the culmination of Jesus' teaching about the Eucharist. Because in the preceding passages we've heard for the last few Sundays at Mass, Jesus has told us that he's the bread of life. We have to eat this bread of life, which is his flesh and his blood, in order to experience eternal life and to have the fullness of faith right now. Some of his followers were debating Jesus on this point. And Jesus kept doubling down and saying, no, I'm saying what I mean and I'm meaning what I say. And that led us to today's passage where we get to this climactic moment hearing how some who were following Jesus found this too difficult to accept and, quote, no longer accompanied him. 
In the past, I, I might have simply seen this as, as those who were rejecting Jesus and rejecting this teaching. But I don't see it so narrowly anymore. I'm looking at it from the vantage point of so many who are confused, who are disillusioned, who have been led astray before. Not by Jesus, but by so many others that maybe make such a, a teaching seem impossible to contemplate. That makes believing or having faith in anyone or anything difficult for them to conceive. We might have forgotten that it was almost a month ago that we started this gospel passage where first five, over 5,000 people were amazed when a few loaves and fish were able to more than adequately feed them and there was an abundance left over. But the reality is that this whole section of the gospel that's been going on for a few weeks at Mass is only really recounting the events of one full day. So the memory of the miracle of the loaves and fish was still very fresh in their minds. But maybe the obstacles to believing in Jesus, to seeing anything bigger than their physical appetites being fulfilled, those wouldn't be just fresh in their minds, but maybe have already created a history, a narrative for each of them, which causes them to accompany Jesus no longer. The failures or the things that undermine any faith or trust, let alone this, this new teaching by Jesus. Maybe these individuals have found ways to deal with those realities, to live with those obstacles. And so they're going back to their former way of life, perhaps wasn't a rejection of Jesus, but a defense mechanism. We don't know. And we don't know what happens after those who left him left that day. What was the rest of their story? All we do know for sure is that Jesus turns to the 12 and he asks the question that's been something that jumps off the page today and has been echoing in my heart for weeks. Do you also want to leave? In scripture, we hear St. Peter respond. Peter, the far from perfect rock of the church, the first pope who will constantly battle doubts and failures and his own sinfulness as he strives to respond to his call. As he says, no, no, Lord, I don't want to leave. Or more precisely, Master, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We've come to believe and know and are convinced that you are the Holy One of God. I wonder, maybe as Peter and the other apostles who remain with Jesus and, and witness the passion and the cross and the death of Jesus, who experienced and were transformed by the resurrection of Jesus and then received the outpouring of the Holy Spirit themselves, how all this made them believe and become even more convinced in Jesus. So much so that it made them proclaimers and teachers and true priests and holy shepherds that were able to reach out to those who left Jesus this one day and countless others. Maybe they were able to 
to share the truth of Christ by their authentic witness and their testimony. Maybe as they strove for holiness, it helped these others who had left to come back and to do the same. To come to that same realization that Peter did. That Jesus Christ has the words of eternal life and that he is the Holy One of God. I'm not trying to to gloss over or speed ahead on all the things that have come to light this summer and demands responses in the church. We're right to want it and we need it. But at this vulnerable time where so many people are going through so many crises of faith, it's also important for each of us to keep focused on the voice that led us here today. To recognize how Jesus is speaking to us right now and needs to use each one of us to use our faith and belief in a way like never before. Because it's going to be our authentic witness that's needed more than ever to lovingly reach out to our brothers and sisters who are hurting, who are disillusioned. Not to judge or condemn those who walk away or are having a crisis of faith, but to be a a loving and caring and understanding brother and sister to them ourselves. To remind them and ourselves of the true purpose for our being here, which is to encounter Jesus Christ and to know the truth and promise that comes from following him. God, true God, be God.